Good morning. Wishing you a joyous Passover and a happy Easter. Welcome to the First Universalist Unitarian Church. My name is Cheryl Hemp, and I am a member of this congregation. I want to extend a special welcome to everyone joining us here and online this morning. Since 1870, UU has served as a vital voice for liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people just as you are, regardless of age, sexual orientation, ethnicity, or economic situation. Wherever you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We are currently worshiping both in person and online, so be sure to subscribe to the church's newsletter and follow us on Facebook or Instagram for updates. I wanted to highlight a couple of announcements today, and you can also find announcements in the yellow insert in your program. Today, there will be a family Easter egg hunt. UU Wassa families of all ages are invited to join us after our Easter service for a cooperative Easter egg hunt. Unlike a traditional egg hunt, we'll work together to find the eggs the UU Easter Bunny has hidden. And once all the eggs are found, everyone will get a few treats for their Easter baskets. And a huge thank you to everyone who brought in baked goods and helped make them during RE and purchased items at last Sunday's bake sale. Thanks to your generosity, the elementary RE group raised over $500 for the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee's response fund to support people who have fled. Um, So, and with that, let us gather our hearts and minds for worship Please join me in reciting the church's chalice lighting. You will find the words printed in the order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. And with that, if you would please stand as you are able and sing our opening hymn, number 269, Lo, the Day of Days is Here, number 269.
remain standing and join me in the church's affirmation. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest of truth, its sacrament, and service is its prayer. Well, together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve human need, to the end that all souls shall grow, into harmony with the divine. Thus do we covenant with each other. Our doxology. Easter story, I'm going to need a volunteer to come help and see what's inside of our wonder box. Do I have anyone that would like to come up and help? Rowan, come on up. So I think you were at home when I packed this. So do you have, wild guess what might be in our wonder box? Easter stuff. Easter stuff. Did anyone have a really good Easter basket this morning? Oh, I see some hands over here. So what's in here? Seeds, lots and lots of seeds. How do you turn seeds into a plant? You make it grow. How do you make it grow? Uh, Stand in the dirt, sunlight, water. Perfect. Thank you very much. You can have a seed again. So just like Rowan let us know, a seed is one thing, and we change it by planting it in soil and adding water and food and sunlight. And by miracle, the seed breaks open, sprouts roots, begins to leaf out and bears flowers or fruits, which then will make more seeds and have a second chance to start the process all over again. Each change makes the thing a little bit different. We can't change it back to what it originally was, once it's germinated and grown into a plant. Things come out differently. Flowers grow a different way than the plant they came from, and leaves on trees look different every year. Even you are a year older now than you were last, and not as the same as you were. Today is Easter, and like our seeds, it's not about restoring something to its original state. It's about getting a second chance, taking broken pieces and making it into something new, like a flower. For Easter, the thing that was broken was Jesus. His story goes that he was killed on a cross and buried in a cave. The tomb was guarded, and an enormous stone was rolled in front of the entrance so no one could steal the body. Three days later, some women visited the tomb and found that his grave was empty and the stone had been moved. He had been resurrected, a second chance. But we don't believe he came just back the same as he was as a living, breathing person. He came back as a message to learn from his teachings. Do unto you as you would have others do unto, excuse me, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love one another to help the hungry, the sick, the poor, and the lonely, to live a radical life that embodies all the reasons why Jesus was killed. Easter is a yearly reminder for Christians and Unitarian Universalists, and really anyone, no matter your faith, of our second chance to act with kindness and generosity, acceptance, hope, and love. And that is our story for today. Our children and youth will be remaining in the sanctuary with us this morning so we can celebrate Easter as a whole community. 
But after service, anyone who'd like to join us can meet us in the lobby for our Easter egg hunt. Please join all who are joining us here this morning. Bless, please join in blessing all of us here this morning, all those joining online, and for our Easter egg finders with May Peace Surround You. The words are printed in your order of service. ministry of UU Wausau is made possible by the generous support of its friends and members. Rather than pass a plate at this time, we've placed an offering basket at the back of the sanctuary for you to drop a gift in. You can also stop by our website, uuwasa.org, to make a one-time or recurring gift with your credit or debit card. But today we have a special Um, presentation for our community focus collection and I'd like to invite Tiffany Rodriguez-Lee to join us at the front. She is representing the Monk Gardens Sprouts Gardens preschool program and she will tell us more. Good morning. Thanks everybody for having me today. Um, I'll be brief but I want to thank you all for giving me the opportunity today uh, to speak with you especially Nancy Cedar, who is um, busy being grandma right now, and I'm sure very much enjoying it. Um, So I appreciate her willingness to um, uh, set me up with this opportunity today. Uh, Again, my name is Tiffany. I'm the development director at Monk Botanical Gardens, and I'm here to tell you all about our Sprouts Garden Preschool. Uh, If you're not familiar, we did launch an outdoor preschool program for three- to five-year-olds in the fall of 2021. And our students spend at least 80% of their class time outside and in the gardens. We do have a yurt that we use for inclement weather um, and necessary indoor activity. Our Sprouts kids um, do what kids that age should be doing. They play. Uh, It's been proven that kids at that uh, three to five year range learn best through hands-on play. So that's what we do. We learn and play in all types of weather. Uh, They learn to navigate appropriate risks and make decisions. They experience teamwork and conflict and develop social skills. And they hypothesize and experiment in nature. Uh, Most importantly, they climb, run, and play within the trails and off the trails sometimes at the gardens. Uh, They have been visited by a very kind fox before. And they use their imagination to play and engage with nature. So I thought, what a better way uh, to show the impact that our program has than share a story um, from one of our teachers. So Miss Katie, our assistant preschool teacher, sent me this story this week, um, and it just felt fitting for the time of year. Uh, The alfalfa sprouts class was gathered at the top of the treehouse for circle time on a chilly spring morning when something truly special happened, she said. The bird of the week was the downy woodpecker, and the kids were very excited, as always, for Miss Krista to play the call on her phone. She pressed play, and we all heard the peek, 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 that started high-pitched and then descended in its tone and went on. 
As the call came to an end, they were all shocked to hear it start right back up again, except this time behind them. The kids' eyes lit up as they realized what was happening. A real, actual downy woodpecker had landed in the pines behind us and responded to the call that they had played. They played it again and again, and the woodpecker continued to respond. The woodpecker thinks it's talking to a friend, Sam B. cried. Uh, That was like magic, Elias said, with eyes as big as saucers. How did that woodpecker know that it was the bird of the week and we'd need it to help with circle time? (laughs) I'd like to thank you all uh, for considering donating to our Sprout Scholarship Fund. This fund specifically allows families to take advantage of our programming at less or no cost to them, really impacting families in need um, because we think everyone deserves outdoor education. I'll leave you with a quick note from a scholarship recipient this year. Uh, She wrote to us, I'm a single mom of four with a very busy full-time job. The Sprouts program has been a blessing for our family and has given me a way to make sure my child has an opportunity to do all of the things he loves about the outside. Climbing rocks and dirt mountains, exploring nature and learning about animals and habitats, making friends and memories. Those are all experiences that would be really difficult to give him with our schedule and our finances. Receiving a scholarship to this program has been an amazing gift and has allowed me to help give my son an amazing start. Thank you. Thank you all. Happy Easter. I'd like to invite all of you into a spirit of prayer and meditation. I want to encourage you to put both of your feet flat and firm on the ground. We'll start with a scan of our bodies. So if you pray or meditate with your eyes closed, you're welcome to close them now. 
start on the top of your head. Feel the warmth or the coolness. Move down onto your shoulders. As you take a breath, feel your shoulders go up and down. Take notice of your beating heart. If you came here with someone this morning, the warmth of them beside you. And let us pray. Oh, holy life of miracles, we bring our burdens with us too, even on this day of celebration. We know so many whose oppression, isolation, pain, and hunger crowd the joy of life from their sight. And our hearts are heavy, even on this day. Heavy with burdens of those who suffer pain and illness, the burdens for those whose lives are bound up in the violence and destruction of war, the weight of grief and sorrow. O holy life, we pray for those in pain and need and for ourselves, that we may be an Easter people in this place. Hear our prayers for those in need, the words we speak, the thoughts that fill our minds, the sighs and groans too deep for words. And now, dear friends, let us call to mind all the joys and sorrows in our lives. And let us meditate on them in silence together now. Amen. Please remain seated for our prayer hymn number 123, Spirit of Life.
For I am to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person that does not live out a full lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or build children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they, while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. But the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord.
A reading from the 24th chapter of the Gospel according to Luke, beginning in the first verse. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do they look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Men must be handed over to the sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, then he went home amazed at what had happened. So several years ago, I spent my 22nd birthday in Santa Fe, New Mexico. A friend of mine, at least at the time, he was living there and he was working as a sommelier, a wine expert, at a pretty upscale restaurant. And so some of my friends from high school and I, we flew down so that we could celebrate at this fancy restaurant for half the price, which we took obscene advantage of. We ordered enough food and enough cocktails and drinks to feed an army. And at dinner, my friends were so nice, they said, Brian, what do you want to do for your birthday? And I disappointed every single one of them when I said, I want you to go with me tomorrow morning to a Catholic church named El Centurio de Chamayo. So this church was built in 1813, and it has since become one of the most important pilgrimage sites in the United States. And today, in fact, it's a national landmark and it's a cultural heritage site that draws just about 300,000 pilgrims from around the world every single year. And so often these pilgrims, they will travel on foot for more than 100 miles from Albuquerque to Chamayo. Others opt for the quote-unquote shorter 30-mile route from Santa Fe. But under the desert sun, even in winter, 
this journey can be difficult. So the morning, my friends and I, we drove out to Chamayo. As soon as we got on the highway, I started seeing the pilgrims. What must have been whole families walking together. Old people, young people, fathers with kids on their shoulders, people in wheelchairs, people using walkers, people who bowed and would kiss the earth after every few steps. But most striking, at least to me, were the two men I saw carrying solid wood crosses on their backs as they walked. Just imagine that for a moment. Walking on the shoulder of a desert highway for a hundred miles, carrying a 150-pound cross by choice. So as we walked onto the grounds of the church, I noticed that attached to the fences were thousands of small locks like the ones that we used or kids used on their lockers at school. What people had done is they had tied onto the loops of the locks small photographs and notes. And I looked to see what was written on a few of them, and on those notes and photographs were prayers. Prayers asking for relief from pain. Prayers for children, for parents, for cures. Prayers for sobriety, for peace. Prayers for second chances. And if you rested your eyes on any one place for long, whether it be a tree or a fence or a statue of the Virgin Mary or a rock underfoot, everywhere you looked, there were small bits of paper with prayer left by pilgrims. And so once you went inside the adobe church, there were just a few people gathered around praying and a priest tended to the altar. And in one part of the church, if you walked back there, you would find hundreds and hundreds of crutches attached to the wall, left behind with little testimonials of accounts of miraculous healing after visiting the church. And in the very back of the church, there's a room called El Posido, which means small well, that you had to squat down to get into. And so at the center of the small room, there was just this tiny little hole that opened down into the earth. And so what had happened is that for hundreds of years, people would bring their prayers And in exchange, they would scoop up a handful of this holy dirt and they would bring it back with them to wherever people go after they pray for miracles. Now, as you can imagine, scientists have been dispatched to Chamayo to analyze the dirt and these scientists insist that it is just soil. Meanwhile, the pilgrims since 1813 have insisted that this dirt is miraculous. We ended up spending so long there that by the time we were ready to leave, one of the cross-carrying men was slowly making his way up to the church. Everybody tried to be as polite as they could and resist looking at this guy, but nobody could help but look and be humbled by this man and his family who had journeyed for days. And so the priest walked out of the sanctuary and he met this man in the courtyard. And instantly the man dropped to his knees. And together his family gathered around them and they prayed. Now I have no idea what they prayed for, but I know that whatever inspired him and his family to journey like that must have meant quite literally the world to them. Every step he took, every step everyone aside from curious people like me and my friends were taken in hope of a miracle. And miracles are what Easter is all about. Before I get on with my sermon, let me wish all of you a happy Easter. 
I don't know about you, but I grew up loving Easter. I celebrated it in gusto with my, with my family. I've eaten my weight and candy for 38 years in a row, and I won't stop. I also love celebrating Easter at this church, which has such a rich tradition. All these flowers, by the way, take four as you go today, so we don't have to clean them up. But I love coming here and seeing all the flowers every Easter morning and your lovely faces. But Easter is the pinnacle of the Christian faith. Of course, Christmas has a more colorful cast of characters, but Easter, if you're a Christian, is where it's at. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is central to the Christian faith. And I don't just mean the resuscitation of a dead body. I mean the mind-bending, take-your-breath-away, life-changing experience of the risen, living Christ. In Luke's gospel, it says that the people who found the tomb empty were, quote, amazed and terrified, which is quite possibly the biggest understatement in the entire Bible. Just imagine this with me for a few minutes. Imagine you're at one of the funeral homes here in town, and you've gone to pay your respects, and you've just peered into a casket, and there you saw the dead body of a dear friend. You felt quite thirsty, and so you stepped away to grab a drink from the drinking fountain, and then you came back into the room where your friend's body was laid out. But this time you walked up to your friend's casket that just a moment ago had had their body in it, and now you look in and you find a completely empty casket. I have no idea what anyone of you would do if that happened, but I can tell you what I would do, and I would run out of there screaming like a maniac, and I would never look back, and I would disown that friend in an instant for scaring me half to death. Now, as far as religions go, Christianity is in a league of its own in some respects. So the long-serving minister, uh, the Unitarian Universalist minister at King's Chapel in Boston, and a dear friend of mine, the Reverend Carl Scovel, he notes this. He notes that Christianity is the only religion whose founder was executed. Confucius, Moses, and Muhammad, they all died of natural deaths. The Buddha died accidentally of food poisoning, Shintoism, Taoism, and Hinduism. None of them have any one central founder. And from a historical perspective, that record of Jesus' death even made it out of the Roman world is, by my account, an absolute miracle. Because if you think about it, the number of people the Roman Empire crucified is legion. And yet by some miracle, a message that meekness conquers might, that human life is sacred, that the first will be last, that life conquers death, and that love is eternal. It spread from east to west and across the Mediterranean along the great networks of roads and shipping lanes that constituted the arteries of the former Roman Empire. And so what happened, all accounts, they say that at markets and in shipping ports and around campfires, people heard stories about how the mortal remains of some hillbilly, uneducated Jew, who everyone saw dead as a doornail, hanging from a cross and later wrapped in a funeral shawl in a tomb, they said they saw him alive again, walking down back roads, chatting with travelers, or eating supper with friends. Now, of course, many people, and most people then, they laughed off that story just like people laugh off people today who use astrology for dating advice or treat lotto tickets like a retirement plan. But small groups of people, they kept the faith even when people scoffed in their face or worse. 
They believed in their hearts that Jesus and his teachings had the power to save the world. Many people then and many people today, they lost their lives for believing such a thing. Now, the other part of Easter, the resurrection, is historically and religiously, it's not very strange at all. Egyptians believed in resurrections, so did the Romans. Hindus believe in reincarnation, and some Buddhists do as well. The Romans, in fact, they believed that the emperor Nero would rise up from the dead, but he didn't, thank God. They also thought that the Roman Empire would reign forever and ever. But lucky for us, it didn't. Most of what remains of Nero are records of his ignorance, records of his violence and his lust, and the only thing that is left of Rome are artifacts and crumbling infrastructure. Now, why the story of a crucified nobody named Jesus made it out of Jerusalem and birthed a global religious movement, it's a mystery. That billions of people around the globe celebrate a meek man who preached love and forgiveness and not the triumph of emperors is a wonder. But what's interesting about the Christian faith is that it begins with what? It begins with emptiness, a tomb without a body. You can do what people for centuries have done, and you can argue whether the story is true. You can shrug off the whole business, and if you do that, that is a defensible response. But it's equally defensible to die and to use your last breath to speak Christ's name. And regardless of where you fall on the what really happened to Jesus spectrum, what comes with that line of questioning in the face of that absence and that emptiness is a sense that the world is not as simple as we imagine it. So in my mind, there are all kinds of resurrection, starting with what I call everyday resurrection. I found an example of this just a few days ago when I reread J.D. Salinger's book, Franny and Zoe. So if you need a reminder, Franny is a college student who is on a spiritual journey wanting to become a mystic. And so she's in search of a holy person to teach her the absolute perfect way to pray. And so as she goes about her journey, she withdraws from her family and her friends. She even starts to withdraw from daily, ordinary life. But finally, her brother Zoe, he gets through to her, and here's a bit of what he says in a wonderful scene in the book. This is Zoe talking to his sister. I tell you one thing, Franny, one thing I know, and don't get upset. It isn't anything bad. But if the religious life you want, but if it's the religious life you want, you ought to know right now that you're missing out on every single religious action that's going on around this house. You don't even have sense enough to drink when somebody brings you a cup of consecrated chicken soup, which is the only kind of chicken soup our mother ever brings to anybody around this madhouse. So just tell me, buddy. Even if you went out and searched the whole world for a master, some guru, some holy man, to tell you how to say your Jesus prayer properly, what good would it do you? How in hell are you going to recognize a legitimate holy man when you see one if you don't even know a cup of consecrated chicken soup when it's right in front of your nose? 
In other words, the point of this passage is to remind us to be open to the holy in the everyday, to be open to surprise. Because sometimes what's holy is often standing right in front of you. But too often we look right past it. I often think of all the junk we buy and all the junk that we buy and then we end up throwing it away very shortly after because it turns out we didn't need it or that it did nothing to improve our lives like we had hoped. Have you all ever bought something like this? Yes, if you all have, that's right. So a friend of mine, and this is not a joke, a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, he likes to visit the town dump every now and then. He likes to go to the dump and he likes to survey all the junk that people throw out. And he tells me that often what he finds are old graduation gowns, frames with the family photos still inside, books, a faded corsage, old crutches. Now, my friend, he thinks that this is basically what therapists do. They invite you to survey all the junk in your life that you think you've hidden in the back dumps of your mind. But a good therapist, like good friends and good lovers, they can hear what's said and they can hear what isn't. And so doing, what they do is they help us transform the garbage of our lives. A difficult childhood, a tough marriage, our failures in love, our disappointing jobs. All useless garbage, we thought. But there is much we can learn in important ways our lives can be renewed by resurrecting and reworking that which we thought we had buried in the dump. Now there are people, and maybe you're one of them, or maybe you know someone who's been resurrected in life. By my lights, resurrection power is the kind that inspires people to get sober. Resurrection power has the power to inspire someone to leave their American dream job to dig water wells in the developing world. It has the power to inspire a wealthy suburban doctor to spend her summers doing cataract surgeries for free in Nepal. It has the power to inspire someone to leave a crummy relationship. It has the power to heal a struggling marriage, the power to give kids bravery when they come out to their friends and family. Resurrection power gives courage to people who stand up to dictators and the tanks they've sent to destroy their homeland. Now, I cannot tell you for certain whether Jesus was raised from the dead. What I can tell you is that he thirsted and he struggled and he felt abandoned in the final moments of his life. I can also tell you that we celebrate Easter to remind ourselves of everything that matters. Whatever happens to us after we die, we know that life doesn't end. And we also know that in some way our lives continue in love. Our own love, once giving, becomes everlasting. If you want evidence of this, read an obituary or talk with someone who's just lost a dear parent or friend. Or you can wander the grounds of Chamayo and you will find evidence of it everywhere you look, that love is everlasting. And after death, our bodies may be resurrected or maybe our souls will transmigrate. Maybe one day we'll gather again with loved ones in heaven 
or perhaps we'll just merge with the particles of the earth from which we came and rest. After life and death, no one knows. But about love after death, that we surely know. Because Easter is not really about death. Easter is about life. Not life after death, but life before death. And so, dear friends, should you wish, this very afternoon, you can practice resurrection. Amen. You're welcome to rise now in spirit or body for our closing hymn number 61, Lo, the Earth Awakes Again. you now if you came here with someone this morning to take their hand. If you came alone, I encourage you to reach out with your heart. May the truth that sets us free and the hope that never dies and the love that casts out fear, may it lead us forward together until the day spring breaks and all shadows flee away. I invite you to have a seat.
Relax and enjoy the post. We're going to invite you to join with us in Ali, Ali, Ali. Um, just listen to it a couple of times, and when you get the hang of it, sing along with us. <laughs> <laughs>